I like the word counterbalance rather than balance because, you know, life is busy and everyone's busy. Like everyone's life is full. But I do think oh, for me, it's very important for me to be consistent with just making the time. Well, hello there, beautiful listeners, and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. If you're someone who's in direct selling, whether that is party plan, network marketing, MLM, whatever you identify as in that space, and you're wanting to grow your business, you're in the right place. This podcast is all about giving you tips, tricks, strategies from some of the most experienced people in this industry and, of course, outside of this industry as well to help impact and empower you. Today is no exception to that. I have a beautiful guest joining us today, the amazing Kylie Burnett, who is co-founder and CEO of Flavorista, a direct selling company based in Australia. Kylie comes from a very unique background because while she is a co-founder of a direct selling company and is going to share a little of that journey, she's also been in the industry herself as a top leader. She understands what it's like to grow a direct selling business. She knows what it's like to ask for the sale, to host a party or in-home event, and how to grow from scratch whilst also leading a team. Kylie has taken that experience and that passion for this industry, and she is now leading an amazing company, which you're going to hear a little bit more about in this episode. If you want to learn a little bit more about some strategies, tips, and tricks to get back to building that all-important relationship, to getting some quick, easy wins in your business, she shares loads of little pieces of gold or nuggets of gold, as I like to call them throughout this episode. So, With all of that being said, grab yourself a pen and paper, get a cup of tea or coffee or a wine, depending on what time of day it is for you right now, or go for a walk, chuck your AirPods in and get ready. You're going to love this episode and meeting the amazing Kylie Burnett. Enjoy. Hello there and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hind, and I am joined today by the beautiful and amazing Kylie Burnett from Flavorista. Welcome on in, Kylie. It's great to have you. Thank you, Sam. It's so lovely to be here and thank you for having oh, me. Oh, such a pleasure. And I'm really excited about this chat that we're going to have today. You and I have had a chance to catch up a little bit um, over the last, I would say, year or so we've been chatting And I've heard a little bit of your story and I cannot wait to share this with our amazing listeners today. And for me, it's really exciting to hear a little bit more about the amazing companies that make up this incredible industry. But what's really exciting about your story and I'm excited to chat about today is your history. You've actually got um, some amazing experience both in the industry as a distributor, but also now as a company founder and owner as well. And I, I can't wait to chat with you about that. But do you want to start by sharing a little bit about who Kylie is so that our listeners know a little bit more about you? I sure can. So um, I'm a Townsville girl, born and bred, and I've been living in Brisbane for the last almost 20 years. And I'm only one half a Flavorista, by the way. So Patricia Mayer, she's the co-founder. She is not here today, but she's also a little powerhouse. 
Uh, I need to mention Trish because she is the most amazing running partner in this business. Um, but, yeah, so I grew up in Townsville. I have had many different roles and jobs. I've done real estate, media, PR. Um, I've done accounting. I've been in the construction industry. So I'm very thankful for a lot of the different oh, – I've been in the electricity industry. That was one of my first jobs. I've worked at – I'm a Macca's diehard, you know, every every teenage every Macca's. So I'm very grateful to have had a lot of different roles in different industries and meet different people and see how different industries work. Yeah, I love that. So you've got such an amazing background and I'm really keen to hear a little bit more about you both as a distributor and starting this company with Trish as well in the direct selling industry. How did it how did that come to be? Tell us a little bit about Flavorista and how you went from being a distributor to saying, you know what, I'm starting a company and this is what I'm going to do because that's a big jump. It was huge. So I need to go right back to the beginning to my first experience with direct sales or network marketing. And um, I had joined a company, you would probably know it, called Manatech, and one of my very good friends, so I've been friends with him and his wife for almost 30 years, mm-hmm. and they went these and came back and they were telling me about their story and how they'd been involved with this network marketing company. And so uh, Simon invited me to join his business, which I did because I was very excited. And uh, to be honest, I was at a place in my life where my health wasn't really great. So the products changed my life health-wise. What I wasn't amazing at was building a business. And so it was a constant source of frustration for me. And I have to say, Simon was the most amazing upline leader you could ever hope. Like he just was so encouraging and would do whatever he could to help uh, while also saying, you know, you need to do this. But I just felt like I could never make that business side work. And I'm sure a lot of people would uh, uh, relate to that. We hear a lot of people even join Flavorista who go, I've never been really successful with building a team or building a business. So um, while I was with Manatech, a good another good friend of mine said, oh, I've just started with this new company. You should check it out. I know you love to cook. Um, why don't you come and join me? And so to Simon's credit, when I told him I wanted to have a go at this other company, he was, I mean, he is like the darling of the direct sales world. He just said, Kylie, I want you to be wildly mm-hmm. successful at whatever yeah. you do. And that. that is with another company, then go for it and I will always support you. Um, so, you know, I just felt so blessed mm. in that way to have someone that to kind of release me, but not that's not the right word, but just to bless me and let me yeah. go, right? And so then I joined this other company and in the first year I got top sales with the company oh. and I had also built a team. And I think it was, I, I, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that is, uh, but A, it was to do with cooking and food products and I love cooking and I always have. Um, and so it was kind of, it was in line with my passion, I yeah. guess. Uh, I can't say that the build, building a business was in line with my passion. I knew I wanted to do it, but I just, I honestly believe that if you commit to something, your passion can actually grow. You don't have to be a thousand percent passionate about it at first. And so I said to my husband, I'm going to do one party a week for a year and see what happens. And that's exactly what I did. And I, we call that when we're doing our training committed action because we can have all the goals in the world, but if we're not taking action that's in line, you know, with that commitment, then it's not really going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I got top sales. I had started to build a team. Um, I, you know, I had probably by the time I left that and went left the field and went corporate, I probably had about 40 or 50 people in my team. 
Um, so, and I had also was able to leave my full-time job at Lendlease and go part, like be able to work on it full-time. So that was really exciting for me and it was like amazing to have a new set of evidence that I could do it and that, you know, it was totally doable. Mm. Um, I think that sometimes too I know that I've been one of those people who've sat back in the past and gone, seen other people and gone, oh, that's nice but can it really be done or is that real? Yeah. Um, until you experience it for yourself, it, it, it's, it is sometimes hard to have that belief. Yeah, yeah. So, about 18 months after I went into this new foodie company, um, I had an opportunity to go corporate. So I became the COO of that company um, and we had quite a ride. It was an amazing, um, you know, it went to great heights and Trish I had actually met through where I was working before. And so she was. she has got a big, long history in food manufacturing. She was the production manager. But when this other company folded, we both just said to each other, it's now or never. We know what to do. We know how to do it. Um, I'm not saying we're perfect. We're certainly not. But we have a big, big passion for this industry and for what we do in the food business. And so we decided to throw everything into it and go for it. So in September 2017, we launched Flavorista. And we were very lucky we had um, a handful of founding leaders who said, you know, if you ever start a company, we want you to tell us about it and we're in. Um, so, you know, we started small um, but we we have had lovely growth and we've got over a 1,000 consultants Australia-wide now. Yeah, so well done. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so we just we've loved the journey. We love, um, you know, I guess working each other out as people is exciting too like the field and, and working with different people who come in and them getting to know us and I do believe that a lot of it is around mm-hmm. trust so it's really lovely getting to know people and just working you know being on the journey together because we, we we always say we don't have a business without you we say that to our consultants we need each other we don't have a business without our suppliers yeah. so you know our I guess our values is based on looking after each other. All, all of us need to take care of each other in order for us to have a sustainable, beautiful business. Yeah, that's so true. I love what you talk about with the the passion being the thing that was the big um, takeover for you. And you sort of came into the business, you made mention that you came into the business with this intention of, I'm going to do a party a week. You know, first of all, I commend you for being regular and consistent with that because that's the key, isn't it? It's not just about what you say, it's about what you do. And you stuck to that. But I'd love to know what strategy you implemented, particularly at the beginning, to um, make sure that you consistently had a party a week because you've got to start from somewhere and get those happening and I know that that can be a real challenge for many of our listeners is great, but how do I go about doing that? What was your strategy to make sure that that happened and consistently happened? I was very focused on asking for booking. <laughs> yep. And so my very party, I said to all the ladies that I was working with at Lend Lease, I said, girls, I started a little side gig, side business. Please come over. You can try some beautiful food. Um, it's going to be a really fun afternoon. They all came and my sales were pretty low. Like I only did like 200. I know exactly how much I did. I did $220 in sales, but I got five bookings. Nice. And so that really helped to kick me off. And um, I honestly was so focused on asking every single person whether they would like to host their mm. own party. 
And, you know, you can imagine that some of the, obviously I got a lot of yeses, but I also got way, way more no's. I, I even got the reactions of, oh, no, I don't want to do that. They would kind of almost recoil and I would just handle it for myself by patting them on the leg or, you know, touching them and say, it's okay, darling. I just want, I've asked everyone else in the room and I did not want you to feel left out. Okay. But if you don't want to, that's fine. And that was my way of handling the rejection because, you know, some, some, I, I do hate the word no. As we all do. Um, but yeah, just fun, something fun that I did. And it kind of lightened the whole thing when I would say that to them yeah. as well. They were like, oh, yep, no worries. Yeah. So, yes. Getting bookings. Um, I'm saying I did one a week. Towards the end, I was doing more than that because I had more bookings. Yeah. I was in Brisbane, so I didn't know a lot of people. Um, but, you know, I also have to say that I would always walk out the door feeling like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this because I was going into the unknown. That's all. Just not knowing really who the host was. I might have just met them at the party before. Um, but I can tell you that 99.9% of the time I would walk back in the door and say to my husband, I had the most amazing time. I met the most beautiful people. And he'd go, you always say that. And I'm like, yeah, well, there's one or two I wouldn't go back to. But it's amazing how people just open up if you're re you know, prepared to go in and have fun and just be real. I would get asked questions I didn't know and I would say, I'm not sure, I'll find out for you. It, it was just a refreshing, it was an easy geek, yep. if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I love that. And so tell me, you know, you've come from that background of being in the field, you've then gone to corporate and then you've started your own company. What are some of the things that as a distributor, you realise that is a disconnect between the field and the head office, because now you get to see both sides. And I know that we often hear, it's almost like there's these two very different conversations going. There's sort of the field perspective and then there's the corporate perspective. Now that you've done both of those, if you were to sort of pass a message on to the field or, or speak to people in the field, which you get to do all the time, so I'm sure that I'm just speaking into something that you're really used to doing, you know, what are some of those communication gaps, I suppose, that you notice need to be bridged by taking that leap? I think a big one is and, you know, understanding what I, I often think to myself, I I don't, I can't, I can't, I hear about women who are doing these amazing parties knowing that they've got three or four kids and I'm like, I never had to deal with that. I can't believe what some of them have to achieve just to get out the door mm. to do, let alone anything else. And so. I just always want to be coming from a place of what can we do to support you because we know that you're working your butt off. We know that it's not always easy to, even we have a lot of consultants who do markets, yeah. they're getting up very early to set up, they're there all day, they've got to be on. You know, I even know that with Mother's Day and Father's Day every year I see them doing events and then that night they're at dinner with their family. And so just appreciating exactly what work is involved for them to get out the door to run their business I think is a huge mm. one um and look I'm not perfect like there it's not like we just pander to people either there our, our consultants will tell you there's plenty of times where we're like hey take responsibility come on do this do that yeah. you know what to do so it's not like we do it all for them but we well 
whatever we do, we would love to think that we're trying to make life as easy as yeah. possible for them. Yeah. And what about the other way around? You know, what do you? What did you realize that you maybe uh, did, you perceived incorrectly, or you didn't understand about what happens from a head office perspective when you were in the field? Oh, look, I think it's the day-to-day operations, you know, like people will, um, we have a, like a two-day shipping turnaround time frame. Yeah. That's impressive. So we're, we're pretty good with it. So normally it's that day or the next day. But then every now and then we'll have someone email and go, did you get my order? Because it's been the two days. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, oi, give us time, all right? We're on it. But I guess it's like... Um, just understanding the workload that is on this side with logistics and, you know, even inventory planning and all of those sorts mm. of things, I hope that our consultants don't realise how much goes into it because we want it to look like we've got it for them, if that yeah. makes sense. We want them to have a sense of um, safety and knowing that they can confidently go out and sell products, you know, without being worried about back orders or shipping issues or anything like that. I mean, one of our one of my biggest bugbears is shipping mm-hmm. because it leaves us. We have no control over how long it's going to take. So, you know, I'd love to hurry up those career companies, but we can't do much about that. Um, but certainly I think creating a sense of safety for them is really important. Um, we pay our commissions every week. And, yeah, there's a bit of extra work involved in doing that. But I also think that gives people an extra level of confidence with who they're involved with, if that makes Mm. sense. Yeah, absolutely. And how about, you know, maintaining lifestyle? I mean, we talk about this a lot and I know that using the word balance is really just a false word. I don't love the word balance, but, you know, you've, again, you've gone from at-home business to working in the corporate world um, and, you know, big change for you in responsibility and workload, et cetera. How do you, what are some of the things that you use to maintain that balance, if you like, between work and family life? Because I know that you really value as well being at home, cooking the meals, you know, not eating out all the time. Like, and, and that's a big part of what you do as a company as well. You know, what are some of the strategies you put into place to help you keep yourself in a good place, both both physically, emotionally, mentally, to be able to continue leading an amazing company? Look, I I like the word counterbalance rather than balance because, you know, life is busy and everyone's busy. Like everyone's life is full. But I do think oh, for me it's very important for me to be consistent with just making the mm-hmm. time. So most mornings before work um, and mostly that's not negotiable you know like on weekends my husband and I do big long walks together um, if I have spent a day at home working I will just drop everything at three o'clock and go for a walk for an hour and a half because I know that is I'm actually not just serving myself yeah. but the other people that I work with by committing to yeah. that and doing that um, and like you said about cooking meals, like I'm a huge fan of people eating at home. I love eating out as well and I love experiencing restaurants and that sort of thing, but I love nothing more than tasting great food and have my husband go, oh, my goodness, this is so amazing. And I want all families to experience that because it is actually pretty easy and cheaper to cook at home for yourself um, and eat well, which in turn is taking care of your body, right? Good nutrition, 
good thoughts, good body, good brain, all of those things, it all adds up. So it is, it's not like, Sam, I go, I work hard for three months and go, oh, now I need a holiday. I feel like I do it every day and I think that that's one of the keys to keeping that balance if yeah. you want to use that word. Yeah. So true. I love that. And, you know, coming back to as it being a distributor, you know, what would you say uh, are some of the most important things to implement when you're trying to grow a successful direct selling business from a distributor perspective? So from a consultant's point of view, being through that road, what would you say are some of the most important things to implement um, to get that business momentum and business growth? Uh, continually ask. Mm. Um I would say to come up with a system for follow-up. I know people in our business who've got full CRM to people who have a spreadsheet and I know people who run their whole business out of an A to Z notebook and they write all of their, alphabetically, they write their customers' names in there. They write what they've ordered, when they ordered, so that if, for instance, we run a special on curry korma spice blend and they know that person's bought it last time, they can let them know, hey, did you know you can get one of these for free if you spend this much this week? So not just a system, but a system that works for you Mm. because everyone is wired so differently and it doesn't matter what the system is as long as it's one that you can implement and one that you will stick to and use because I'm just really, really big on follow-up as well. I think follow-up is extremely important. I have a lady from another skincare company and every single month she messages me her specials and I love that. I don't always buy from her but when I do, I, you know, place a decent order. I never feel like I'm being annoyed by her. So I would love to see distributors take on follow-up as a responsibility and treating their business like a business rather than feeling like they're annoying people or pressuring people. I've got to ask though because I know one of the challenges with that and I actually have, I get something very similar every month and I have a slightly different perspective on it. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are with this because I think follow-up is important but from a couple of different perspectives. You know, one of the things, uh, you made mention just then of something very important, which is um, noting important things down. Now, I was just looking at my desk trying to find it. Greg's actually just moved it off my desk minutes before I went live with you. But I've got a little black book that I use as a demonstration for this where I actually do the same thing and I keep um, people's names in this book and things I learn about them through my social media posts, their comments, conversations I have with them so that I'm able to do exactly what you said. You know, when something comes up that's going to be relevant for them, do that reach out. But coming back to that skincare example, I actually get a message at the end of every single month from this particular person selling to me their product and telling me what the current specials are. Now, the thing that frustrates me is, you know, and I look at it and go, great, they're following up. But the problem is, number one, I know they haven't tailored the message for me. They've copied and pasted it to everybody. And number two, they never reach out to me for anything other than, hey, there's a special going. And it always happens at the end of the month, every month. I can literally set my clock by it. And so, you know, I think that there's, I just wanted to ask your opinion on this. You know, do you feel that their follow-up is very important, but is there a right and a wrong way to do it? I think I think that there's a another way. It's called unsubscribe. Yeah, Sam. you could unsubscribe. So you can't unsubscribe <laughs> from a messenger message from someone you're Facebook friends with, and this is the challenge because I think that it's that fine line between overstepping the mark with relationships 
between and I have ordered from this person by the by the way before in just to almost to shut them up and it, it actually did the opposite which was dangerous territory but I feel like this is a common problem in this industry which is why I bring it up well it's a good point actually and I guess you know for the woman that I hear from I, I'm not kind of friends with her I met her at a market mm. so it's like I expect her to be checking in with me to see how I'm going. And, look, I totally agree with you. There are people like that who just want to sell to yeah. you. And so I think from a seller's point of view, what, what you do is phenomenal, you know, keeping notes about people and understanding who, you know, who they are, where they're at, dropping them a line to say, you know, thinking of you or things like that. We have people in our company who are very, very good at that too. And then we also, I've heard people say, you know, I'm posting, or this is, you're going to love this one. I'm posting on social media, but no one's responding. I feel like I'm wasting my time. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I have this conversation on a daily basis. Do you try to get fit or get healthy and eat seven apples in one day uh, and then get cranky at the end of the day because nothing's happened yet? Or do you eat an apple a day or go to the gym every day for several weeks and then monitor your progress? Anyway, yes, I do hear that one a lot. The relationship side is very important, absolutely. So, you know, even with follow-up, like I said, have a system so that you're not just trying to sell what we've got going on, but you at least know, hey, I know you ordered this product six months yep. ago. Do you need a top-up? Yeah. Have you been Do you want uh, – this is a new product that's come out that's very similar and it's got this. Like there are other yep. ways to communicate and still um, show that you care enough to know what they've bought from you before and all the rest. It's also about providing value too to the products that they've bought before. You know, one of the things, for example, with your products is there are so many different ways you can use many of them. And so it may be as simple as, hey, you bought this product. I've got a new little hot tip for you, or I've got a little recipe I wanted to share with you. If you haven't used it all, if you have, do you want to place another order? It's just gone on special. If not, here's another way you can use it. And I think there's, um, there's also value in providing value um, that doesn't necessarily always require a sale. And that's really important. This is why those notes are really valuable and, and jotting them down because you're not going to remember. And if your business grows the way you want it to, it's impossible to remember when you've got loads and loads of customers, which is, you know, of course what you all want. Yeah. And look, you know, like what you just said is so true. And so many industries have so many different ways of providing that extra value. Like we have four ways to use each product. So if we can constantly be giving people uh, recipes. We've got a recipes group on Facebook to be inviting people yeah. in so they can just search the product they've got or search for a dish. So, you know, whether it's skincare, hey, you know, I noticed you, you love this color. It's on special. Like there's, there's so many different ways to, here's a little makeup tutorial I saw on Instagram. I thought you might love mm. it. So many ways to value for people rather than just selling to them all the time. And it's, you know, by that same token, it's also about getting to know other things about them too, isn't it? It's not just relating to your product. I mean, if you get to know through asking a great question on Facebook, for example, that this particular person happens to, um, you know, be a dog lover rather than a cat lover and you see this really cute little dog video that they would probably love and you could share that with them or that there's somebody who loves... um, uh, you know, growing their own vegetables in their veggie patch. Now, okay, you sell flavorista, you sell products that are, are spices and and you know uh, flavor additions, etc. to to create an incredible meal. So a veggie patch is not necessarily directly related to what you do. But if you come up with some tips or you learn something new or you see something that could be relevant for them, 
based on those other interests, being able to share that is really valuable. Even uh, we were having a, a chat inside of our Accelerator membership recently about um, people that love growing indoor plants, whether they're, you know, novices at it or really experienced. And the fact that it's a really great conversation starter when you talk about something that's a common interest. Um, and so many people came up with these great little tips and articles and things that they could share with somebody if they fa- found out that they had that interest. And it started so many conversations. So it's sometimes also thinking about what else can I learn about this person that's not just directly related to my product and my business, right? You bet. Um, now, I did want to ask you a little question as well, just about from a, you know, woman to woman here for a little moment. You know, you have uh, been in the field, you've been in the corporate side. You know, what would be some advice you would give to another woman who is thinking of starting her own business, whether it's a side hustle hobby business or whether it's, you know, something as big as an entire direct selling company? And there may be two different questions, but if you were to provide some advice to somebody else thinking of stepping into either of those two spaces, what advice would you provide being someone who's been through it? Uh, I think the first thing I would say is that you want to be very sure about what you Mm -hmm. want because it is easy to think this is all too hard. I'm saying that. I've never once thought I want to give up. But it's it gets very challenging. And so when when it is when it does get very challenging, you need to have enough inside of you to go, I'm gonna keep going on this. So I think that's the first thing. Um, I can give you a real-life example, which I think was a great way to do it. So Narelle Camborn is one of our, she was one of our founding leaders, um, but she really wanted to get her own business, her own food business. Um, And so she went and worked at a cafe for about 12 months and then she ended up buying that business. And she's got this beautiful cafe now down at Nora Head in New South Wales. And so for her, that was an like that, that's a really great segue into working in a business at first. And I guess I had that experience by, you know, being employed by another company. So she worked in the business at first, got to know the ins and outs of it, and then went, okay, now I have the confidence. And she purchased the business and She'll put her own twist on things and change the menu and all of those, but she kind of it gives you an opportunity to to know what you're getting into yeah. before you actually commit and you know all of that money and time and effort. And here's the thing: if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. You know, like there's plenty of people who go into a business and they go, "All right, well now I'm the rubbers hit the road. It's not everything it's cracked up to be. It's not the end of the world." But I would love to say, go for it and have a go. Now, I've got to ask the question too, because I know that you, uh, you've, you've got quite a background in career and you stepped into the direct selling space. And like many, you had those same reservations around, Oh, do I want to grow a business in this space? You know, what, like, how comfortable am I with this? You know, what would you say to somebody who's asking the question is, you know, because we've all heard the word pyramid selling, right? Pyramid schemes, which we know are illegal. It's not what this, this industry is, but, what would you say to someone who's right now maybe fence sitting and going, hey, I, I, you know, this all sounds great being in the direct selling industry and having this little side hustle or hobby business, but is it safe? Do I really want to step into that space? From the perspective of someone who's been in, in those shoes, what advice would you offer to that person? Uh, I would just say that the, the direct sales and MLM world, um, 
if and if any company is doing something dodgy, well, you know, there's there's dodgy companies everywhere. Yeah. That's I'll say that start, um, in every industry. Um, if you are worried about being some type of pyramid, then I can tell you that our whole comp plan is centered around people being rewarded for the work they do. So it's not a get rich quick scheme. Um, and I'm sure that most other legit direct sales MLM companies I know are geared exactly the yeah. same way. They're, you know, someone who is leading a large team, there are still um, KPIs and things they have to do to qualify. They can't just work until a certain period and then sit back on their haunches and go, thank you very much and take their paycheck yeah. every week. And that's not with our company. But I know that just, you know, that's just not, it, it might have been a thing of the past. I don't know. But I think it's just a, a bit of a, I don't know, a, a lie that people believe. Yeah. I mean, you can look at a corporate company and the CEO at the top gets paid the most amount of money. So, you know, I always kind of refer to that too. If you want to talk about pyramids, it's kind of a classic example where the top staff level staff get paid the most amount of money. Yeah. The great thing I love about the industry is, and and this is you know where I guess, and we're going in, we're opening up a bit of a can of worms here, talking about pyramid selling. But one of the things I love is, um, you know, and any legitimate uh, multi level marketing business, this will be the same for, is if you step into a business um, in with any company who is legitimately, and by the way, you know, a really good way of checking this is if they are a member of the DSA, the Direct Selling Association you know that they have to tick certain boxes in order to be a member of that organisation and so they're above board. Um, it doesn't mean that companies that aren't are not, it's just it's a really good indicator. Um, but do your research. But the thing is um, if you start the business, a business in this space with almost any company, the person who signed you up, you can overtake that person, no problems. And that's the difference between a pyramid selling um, and multi level marketing that is completely legal, which is just as you said, Kylie, you're rewarded based on your work, not the work of the person above you, not the people alongside of you, but the work that you put in. And so you can overtake that person, which is a great thing because it means you're never held back or restricted by anybody other than your own performance, right? Everyone's given the same opportunity. Yeah. And that's a really great way of putting that. Um, so, you know, going into, uh, Flavorista and, you know, starting the business and, you know, getting to where you guys are now and you've had some amazing growth and congratulations on that. You know, it's not always smooth sailing and that one of the things I love to kind of look at when we're chatting on the podcast is a little bit about those learnings as well along the way. Um, do you have, have you had any bumps or learnings along the way where you've gone, oh, that didn't work so well and we learned from that, you know, and, and it's got us to where we are now? Um, I'd love to hear any stories that you have. And I say that because I think it's also really important that people see the journey from a corporate perspective as well and understand, you know, the culture that's got a company to where it is that, that means it's still surviving. Well, we started without a website. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, you know, much to our, our leader's credit, we just said, do you want to launch now or do you want to wait until everything's in place with a website? And I went, let's go. <laughs> so we just actually had people email us their orders. Wow. We would send them a voice. They paid it. We'd ship their order. And it was death by spreadsheet on the comp plan oh. side. We 
We just worked out every single order. It wasn't, you know, we just set up a system for it. Um, so that's how we started out. And uh, like, we're just so thankful that people were just so trusting and lovely. So yeah, we started without a website. And then we started to, we had this website built and it was all looking good. And then we went, this is not going to work. Like it was literally, I remember the day when I rang our IT guy and said, we're going to pull the pin on this. It, it was already up and running, but I just knew that long term, it was not going to serve. Yeah us as a company or our consultants as a tool to run their business. So we pulled the pin on that. Um, we just kept it running until we had something ready to take over, but it was a completely new rebuild. I mean, I looked at all of the different options for uh, there's obviously direct sales software and companies that you can do it, and I was just like I felt like for the way we wanted to have our comp plan and run things, I would have to be fitting a square peg into a round mm -hmm. hole. And we had to fit what was their system. And so we had our complete own system built. Wow. Um, so that has been a huge learning curve because even communication and the way I would be communicating to the team and we'd be going backwards and forwards and I'm like, that's not it. And they're like, well, what is it? So huge learning across that um, and everything's really, you know, they do a stellar job now. I love our website. I hope our consultants do too. Um, so that's one. The next one was that when we first started, we had another company doing the manufacturing for us and they were amazing. They actually wanted our man manufacturing contract. So they gave us six months free rent in a space in their warehouse. So you can imagine what a huge start that was yes. for us to be able to have that sort of saving in our first six months in business um, and pretty much right on six months they said oh we've sold the business and the people who bought it don't want to do your manufacturing anymore oh gosh so they were great like we love them to death we still hang out with them but we're like oh okay so now we've got to find our own facility and start doing our own manufacturing so that was a bit of a push out of the nest um, so taking that next step, you know, it's always daunting until you do mm, it. That's so true. So I'm very blessed with Trish that we just get our heads together. We work out what do we have to do, who's going to do what, who do we need to do what. Let's just make this happen. And bit by bit, we just chip away at it. And so, you know, we found the perfect place. Um, we've now found another perfect place, which is bigger again. Um, but I just, I love the idea that, um, I've got it written down here in front of me because we wrote, uh, Brooke, who's our consultant care, um, amazing girl, she wrote it down at our annual celebration from one of our speakers, says you are capable of what you need to do. And it's just, it sounds simple. Oh, it sounds like a cliche, but it's so true. Like if we need to do it, we are capable to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's so true. Help. Someone, sometimes we can do it all by ourselves, but we can do it. Yeah, we I um, we love to tell our Accelerator members something very, very similar, um, but same sort of concept, which is you have everything you need around you right now to do everything that you need to do. And likewise, uh, and I was just looking at this little quote that's sitting above my computer here, and it actually says, when you don't know, you know. And I love that because it's such a good reminder that sometimes we get that block, but you actually already have all of the answers and you also have all of the resources around you. So it's such a good point, Kylie. I love that. I agree with you on that. It's so true. Um, 
Now, I've got to talk about social media because that's what we do and it would be remiss of me not to, but I want to ask a little bit about that. Has that been a big part of your company over the last few years and how have you guys capitalised on that both as a field and as a corporate company? It's been a huge part. Um, uh, I think we've got so much to learn about it still. Like to me, it's just still a bit of a minefield. Uh, but I do think that showing up consistently and being real is very, yeah. very important. Mm-hmm. Right, the one thing to do. And I think it's a tool, but it's not the only way. I just said to our consultants at our annual celebration, you are the algorithm. We all know that Facebook work out what you're doing and how you're doing it. They change the rules. Um, and I know that you speak a lot about this, Sam, and your training is exceptional. Uh, but really it is like a game of cat and mouse. So our ability to connect with people is going to be our strength. And, yes, that does mean doing it online, but please, please, please don't rely solely on that because yeah. it'll, it is a hard gig. And so every single one of us have connections. Every single one of us have the ability to connect with people, to ask questions, yep. Um reach out and show we care and that I believe is more powerful than any social media posts that you can put out. I know you've used the term post and pray. Yeah, (laughs) don't post and pray, yes. Um, And then this is a strategy a lot of people use for sure and it's a huge waste of time. Mm. Yeah. Um, Now I do have four really fun questions for you here and I'm particularly keen to hear your answer to these. So the very first one, we love to encourage learning. I really believe that knowledge is not power, it's only potential power, but we have to gain the knowledge somewhere and we always need to be growing and learning. And so, um, you know, we've got an accelerated book list that we've been building over the last few years and I'd love to hear what your contribution would be um, to the accelerated book list. What's your favourite book? And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be business-based. It can be anything, but I'd love to hear what Kylie's favourite book is. Okay, well, business-wise, I absolutely, one of my all-time favourites, I've read it about three or four times, is The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. And so I really love it because it talks about being a contributor, Mm -hmm. uh, being a taker, being a giver. Um, So I really love that book and I can't recommend it highly enough. It's got really personal stories interwoven into it as well just to exemplify what he's talking about. Um, so I love that. And probably one of my all-time favourite novels is Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Oh, a good, an oldie but a goodie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I love that. Okay, and uh, if you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be and why? Hmm, superpower would be? It's always an interesting one. I know, right? I've, I mean, there's a few answers there, but I think a superpower would be just to continue to show up knowing that I'm perfect as I am. Mm. So I think that, I mean, I know I do this. I I think things have to look a certain way or that it's not this or, okay, I'll do it then or whatever, but I think if I could just trust myself more and just continue to show up and do it, um, you know, and, and I also heard a quote and I, it, it just said, you know, what are we missing out on because we don't ask for what we need in the moment? And so I think probably that in line with asking. Uh, I need to ask more for help because I, I, I know I'm a very capable person. We all are. 
but I'm I probably a strength is that I can do lots of things, but that also becomes a weakness yeah. because I forget to ask for help. You end up so I, yeah, it becomes a weakness. So maybe to ask for more help. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think that's a really, I, I feel like that's a real issue as well for a lot of women, particularly going into business is this concept that if I ask for help, it's a weakness. But in actual fact, we've got incredible people around us that have been placed there to help us, but we've got to reach out, right? So it's really important. It's a big journey for me to learn as well. Um, and every day that can be a challenge. But I think, you know, it, it's also very rewarding when you learn the power and the the beauty of being able to lean in and on other people as well, right? People love to help. Yeah. They do. They love to feel like they're a part of something. But often the reason I find, particularly if you're uh, a bit of a, a go-getter, um, the reason people don't offer their help is because they feel that they're, they're not welcome to give it as well until they're asked. And so often they just look at you and go, oh, they've got it all together and I would be offending them to offer to help. But sometimes you're sitting there craving it, but all you actually have to do is communicate and it's it's a valuable thing to learn to do. So true. The other day, I'll tell you a quick story. I was getting on a plane and um, this lady had a couple of bags and a baby. And so I could tell she was struggling a bit. And I said to her, I can take that bag for you to, until we get on the plane. And it was a Jetstar flight. So we had to walk downstairs and then back oh, upstairs fun. out on the. And so I helped her down the stairs, but then she said she was right up the back. So there were these four strapping young men behind me. I go, Oi what rows are you guys in? And they said like 20 or something. I said, great, can you please help this lady with her bag? And she's like, no, no. I said, it's fine, babe. People love to help. And so they were like, yeah, we'll help. And they did. And they were walking along talking to her. Yeah. And But people, I, we are so reluctant to help, ask for mm. help. I actually saw something very similar happen. We were coming back from uh, America a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, kind of a week ago. I don't know. I've lo totally lost track of time now. But there was a, a woman who I felt so sorry for her. She had a, a toddler in a, a, a pusher, in a pram. She had a newborn baby strapped to her chest that was screaming its lungs out. And then she had all these bags she was trying to carry onto the plane for an international flight and she had no one with her. And it was interesting. I watched the dynamic. She didn't ask anyone for help. She persisted to, even though she clearly needed it. She had the toddler was tired because it was late at night. The baby's screaming that keeps spitting the dummy out. She's trying to pick it up while she's losing her bags. She's trying to push the stroller. And of course, as you're getting on the plane, there's this stop start thing going on all the time. Now, what was interesting was listening to the conversation. A bunch of people were talking amongst themselves about should should one of us go help her, but not one person stepped out because she didn't ask for help. And it's kind of a two-way thing. And I remember Greg going, I'm just going to go up and I'm going to ask if I can push the pusher or take the baby, which he did do. And I could see there was a reluctance from her as well to ask that help because it, it made her feel like she was inconveniencing someone else. But there was also, it was really interesting that everyone had a gut feel that they should do something, but they were more willing to talk amongst themselves about it than actually step up and go to her and say, hey, can I give you a hand? Or simply taking something off her hands. And it's it's kind of a responsibility both ways, isn't it? It's a tough one. But I think in business, it's a really big deal because you can sometimes see someone really struggling and you can see that there's something you potentially could do to help with that, but you think, I won't do it till I ask because I don't want to offend them. 
But sometimes it's just that that knowing that someone cares actually is enough. It's it's not always about I need the help. It's about I want to feel like I matter. And so asking the question too can be really powerful. Yeah, and I think it's also about connection. Yeah. You know, showing uh, you want to make a connection with that person. I think that's extremely powerful. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. Um, And Kylie, next question is what's your favourite quote? Okay, my favourite quote is you and you alone are responsible for what is and what is not possible in your life. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, cutting, but good. I like it. I love it. And I love the whole personal responsibility yeah. thing, you know, like we totally in control of what happens. Yeah, it reminds me of a conversation we actually had to have in one of our 14-day challenges yesterday, and that was that, you know, you can't control, and think about social media for, you know, for a moment, or even the company that you might be with. We can't always control the things around us, the world, what's happening, what comes at us, the problems that might arise. But the one thing we've got 100% control over is how we respond to those things. And, you know, that reminds me a lot of that. And I think it's so important to remember is you've got a choice in how you respond and every moment. So even when you catch yourself out and go, oh, I feel terrible about how I dealt with that, you can still choose right now how you're going to deal with it going forward. And our attitude is, you know, and I, this is a, you know, I've got teenagers. So every, let's face it, every single day I'm constantly having to choose my attitude, choose my response. And it can be really tough. But it does change the outcome of the situation in the long run and it it decides whether the world is running you or you're running your own show. Yes, and it's so much more liberating to think that you're running the show. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, feeling like you've got an element of control. You know, I think I feel like over the last number of years um, we've all felt a lot like we haven't got a lot of control, but I really feel like that's a misperception because, um, it's not true. We've, we've actually got a lot more control than what we think we do. Um, and it's, it's actually, I'll tell you another really funny story. When we arrived in America, um, we, uh, checked into our hotel in Los Angeles. And as we checking into the hotel, the woman asked us, you know, what time is your flight tomorrow to Las Vegas? And we said, oh, it's at this time. She said, well, I hope you, your plane doesn't get canceled. And I said, why would it get canceled? She said, well, cause they're tying all the planes down. I said, why are they tying all the planes down? She said, have you been living under a rock? She said, Hurricane Hillary. And I said, oh, well, we've been living in Australia, so we might as well have been living under a rock. And she said, oh, well, let me tell you. She said, everyone is really scared. They're boarding up their windows. They're sandbagging their houses. This is going to be catastrophic. She said, they're tying down the aeroplanes. They're putting cars into garages. People are stocking up on groceries. This, this is going to be the worst natural disaster we've ever seen on the west coast of the uh, United States. So we get to our room and we check out the news and, of course, it's just blasting nonstop. Hurricane Hillary, you know, category, I think at that point, what's the worst? Is it like four or five or one or two? I'd, I think it's yeah. the higher the number, the worst. It was like category four at that point and they're expecting it at this particular time. There were countdowns and everyone's freaking out. Greg and I looked at each other and went, okay, 
I get that you can be afraid and you can be worried and you can take precautions, but you can also choose the way you respond to this. And I feel like people are responding the way that they're expected to respond or they think they're expected to respond, not the way that their gut's telling them to respond. What was really funny was a lot of people that you talked to were clearly afraid because everyone said they should be, not because they actually felt they should be. Now, I'm not saying you don't take precautions, but it was pretty funny when the next day there are all these memes going around with a picture of, you know, a a garden um, a outdoor chair table chair setting with one chair flopped over and the caption, we will rebuild, because literally nothing happened. And everyone's going, why did we panic? And I said, you panicked because you t- you responded the way that you felt you were supposed to respond rather than the way were you like you weren't responding yourself you were responding to fear and the world and and everything else that was going on and we've seen so many incidents of that over the last few years and I think it's really important that we remember even in business you know when you hear people talking about recession and all this sort of stuff guys you could choose to be afraid of that and be worried about it, but you've also got a choice in how you respond to it yourself right now. Anyway. So true. I had someone say last week, we don't even, as a society, we don't even have to really think about how we're going to feel. All we need to do is turn on the TV and they'll tell you how to feel. <laughs> and going to be. I don't even have a TV and I love it because I just think it's just crazy and there's so much fear out there. Yeah. So I'm on I'm like, you. we get to dictate what is going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually, uh, and, you know, I hate going back down and talking about COVID, so I'm not going to, but during that period, you know, we uh, got to a point where I'm having this conversation with our members a lot about choosing the way you respond. We realised our kids said a few things over that period where we thought they're actually doing that, they're responding the way the world's telling them to. We thought we can't change what's going on in the world right now. And worrying about it, this is a big thing to remember, worrying about something that other people are telling you to worry about, you can't change it by worrying about it. The only thing that you're changing is your personal outcome and you're guaranteeing it in some ways. And so we actually decided over that period to stop watching news and we haven't watched it since. Um, occasionally when there's something we know that we need to be on top of, like, you know, Facebook goes down for 24 hours, we'll jump in and we'll look into that and we'll pay attention to it. And we are always on top of social media news. Of course, that's important for us, but we do not put the news on at home anymore. And it's amazing. I don't know if you found this, Kylie, but the peace in our home since we did that. So peaceful. Yeah. Makes such a big difference. And your headspace, like where you spend your time in your headspace, it's actually really important, right? I think we've got to really protect our minds sometimes. Mm, you bet. Now, very last question. Last one is uh, if you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, what would that be? I would say stop worrying about what other people think. Yes, I love that one. That's a toughie, but it's a goodie. I like it. I'm guilty of that. I always have been. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. I feel like that's always a work in progress, but it's a good thing to be self-aware of, right, is, you know what, I'm really, I'm putting a lot of attention and energy into this space right now, and it's not helping me. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Well, look, Kylie, it has been 
So great chatting with you today and getting to know you and, of course, your incredible company, Flavorista, a little bit better. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. It's been, we really appreciate your generosity with your time. And I know our listeners have probably really enjoyed hearing a little bit more about your story. So thank you for joining me. Thank you, Sam. And thank you too for all the work you do in the direct sales profession. It's unbelievable. You guys are just so, you know, you contribute so much and you create so much good content and value. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It is such an an honour and a privilege for us to be a part of such an incredible industry. So um, look, thank you again as well to all of our listeners. Don't forget to tune in again next week. If you love this episode, uh, share it with a friend, share it with somebody who needs to hear this message. And of course, uh, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. But thank you again for joining us, both Kylie and our listeners. It's been great chatting with you. And uh, have an amazing week, everybody. Bye for now. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.